All right, everyone, how you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... I'm John Duncan. Uh, I play for the Granite City Gorillas and also the Scotland Highlanders. And you also coach for the Highlanders, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I'm a head coach for the for the Highlanders. And we'll definitely get into that uh, in a bit. Um, but let's start off with what's your jersey number and what's the story behind it? Uh, jersey number for the Gorillas is six. Um, and the very sentimental reason that I got number six was uh, they had some spare kits when I joined uh, and it was the only one in my size. So I took <laughs> the number six and it has been my number ever since. Uh, and then Highlanders, uh, I took the number eight just because it was available uh, when I joined and uh, I don't really have any sentimental reason other than I like the number eight. <laughs> so it, it was kind of got, it sounded kind of funny. So you said you picked the number six for um, Granite City because it was the only size or only number kit in your size. Yeah, they had some spare kits when I joined. Uh, and so the, there were some that were already printed uh, and there was a six. It was the only one that was available in my size. So I was six. <laughs> so the funny thing about that, when I guessed it for you guys, I want to say now two years ago, um, the only uh, kit in my size actually had my number. Nice. And it had the, um, I think it's the bar name that you guys go to. Same yeah, same marker. Same marker. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, this is just destiny. I mean, my number that fits that actually fits me. Okay, this is destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're just when, so accommodating. Oh yeah, right. I mean, Aldra didn't even know my number, and it was already there. It's like he knew me already. Uh, <laughs> shout out, Aldra. Um, so when did you start playing, and what was your first open session like? Uh, I started playing in 2016. Uh, I was invited along by Aldred because uh, I went to uni with him. And uh, the first session uh, was pretty intimidating. Uh, a bunch of hairy dudes uh, who all target the new guy. Uh, so it wasn't, uh, yeah, it was intimidating, but uh, fun enough that I went back. So you weren't completely scared off? No. I just decided at that point that I would have to grow my own beard and uh, <laughs> be as intimidating. You see, that's something I should have done when I went over there because, uh, yeah, I was trying, I actually shaved my beard just so I could actually look like my passport photo. Um, <laughs> but I guess the secret is you got to just grow it out. Is that the GCG way? It, it is, yeah. Uh, it's not It's not in our uh, constitution or anything, but uh, it seems to help people be accepted. <laughs> so other than Aldra, do you, have any, do you remember who else was there? Anyone currently? Uh, players that would have been there back then would have been uh, Gary, Christy, Kev, uh, Dow, although he's now Calvin Rapids. Uh, oh, I'm going to offend someone by missing them out. But Well, I'll say Pete as well, because Pete would have been there, even though he's kind of out injured now. Pete what? Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry, I didn't actually know that he was injured. My bad. Um, hope you feeling better. Uh, hope you heal up, dude. Uh, so after that first session, did you join the team right away, or was there a break in between that session and another session? Uh, no, it just uh, went that first time, and then just kept going every week. And then I think it was a few months after that that they had a there was a competition, so I went into the B team uh, for that, and then the next competition wasn't until like the following year um so yeah i've just been part of the gorilla since so describe your first um your first tournament with them uh on the b team like what was that experience like i mean stepping up from almost an intimidating atmosphere to now at this point probably growing a growing a full beard and being accepted <laughs> uh yeah it was it was good i don't think i had my beard when I was on the B team, so I had to grow it to get to the A team, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, it was it was a good experience. Um, dodgeball in Scotland, particularly back then, is pretty a pretty small scene. Um, so I think everyone 
who turned up for that tournament I had already played against. Um, so yeah, I think it was it finished uh, um, Gorilla's A B finish. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. Uh, good to get into competitive dodgeball. It was my first taste of competitive dodgeball, so I've obviously not looked back. I mean, it's the best feeling, right? Getting that first tournament jitters out of the way. Um, and obviously the, the scene has definitely grown since 2016, but when did you decide to go for the Scotland Highlanders? How long uh, into your playing career was that? would that have been? Uh, yeah, that was 2017 I joined. Uh, maybe the tail end of 16. But uh, the first first tournament as the Highlanders was the one in Glasgow uh, in 2017. Um, I played on the mixed team there. So that was yeah about a year and a bit after. Well, yeah, it was. I think it was August uh, 2017, maybe July. Probably so, July. Yeah, about a year, a year and a half after and, uh, and starting with the Gorillas. So your first Euros was essentially on home soil. Yeah. And what was that experience like? Putting that Highlander crest on your on your shirt and uh, yeah, that was that was uh, phenomenal. Uh, I never really thought that I would represent my country in anything. So to put on that shirt was was pretty special, and to do it in Glasgow um, was really good because I, I managed to get some family to come and watch and stuff like that. So yeah, great. What was their impression watching? their son and their and their brother or their you know relative on the court you know representing scotland in a sport that i mean ha- isn't as popular at, back then as it is now uh yeah i think they enjoyed it um the atmosphere at the european championships is always really good so uh i think they were able to enjoy it from the from the crowd and uh, i think they might have been proud as well oh i'm sure they would have been proud seeing duncan on the back of a scotland jersey uh, and that's one thing consistent about Euros that I've always noticed for nearly a decade that the crowds got bigger and it's definitely gotten more festive in the past couple of years. Uh, any notable like matchups that you can recall from there and, and how that was like? Uh, from that Euros, uh, I think my most memorable match would be uh, the Slovenia match uh, that we played for the bronze medal. Uh, so, yeah, picking up that bronze was... Uh, very enjoyable and uh yeah great experience all around the whole tournament was great um i got a lot more game time than i maybe thought i would uh going into it because it was my first euros Mm. uh but yeah managed to pick up quite a lot of game time and then picked up that medal at the end of it so delighted (laughs) i mean for starting off not expecting to play as much to getting more time than you expected that had to be an added bonus yeah, definitely. And, and you've represented Scotland ever since. Yeah. Uh, played mixed. 2017, mixed again. 2018, mixed again. 2019. Uh, and then at the most recent one, played in men's. What's the difference in dynamic between playing in mix and playing in men's at that level? Uh, at that level, the tactics are different. Um, I would say the mixed game is slightly slower uh, because uh, the men's, uh, in my experience anyway, has been just that little bit quicker because there's uh, potentially bigger arms in six positions rather than maybe just on the wings. So it's there's a lot more pace to it and the countering is a lot quicker in the men's as well. So when did you decide to go into the coaching route? A lot of players typically would just play and maybe try to become just the captain of whatever team they're on or or in your in your case excel to the A team. What inspired you to make that decision to go on the coaching route? Uh it was kind of uh just the circumstances of the team. Uh after the Euros in Italy in 2018 uh, a lot of the coaches if not all of the coaches uh, stepped down uh, and a lot of the players left Uh, so it was kind of a transition period and we needed people to sort of step up and take the reins 
and I got some encouragement from a then coach, Steve Ryan, uh, to take up the coach and he said I'd be pretty good at it. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take it on, take it on as a, as a role. Aldred stepped up and took on the uh, management side of it and then got me as head coach. Uh, so I kind of saw that as a a role of like overseeing the transition and kind of trying to stabilize the ship and uh, make sure we didn't drop down too many places from having lost a lot of experience from the squad uh, and then try and keep everything steady and then see what we can build beyond that. And when was this that um, you decided to make the change? Was it 2017, 2018? Yeah, 2018 after the, the Euros in Italy. Um, as I said, there was a lot of, a lot of people left. Um, so there was a, a void to be filled. Uh, and I was just one of the people that stepped forward to try and help. What would you say for someone who maybe find themselves in a similar position as you did, who may think about trying and and take on the coaching role, but may have a little bit of nerves, a little nervousness to them. What would you say to kind of push them in that direction and encourage them to take a leap? Um, I guess it's, I was lucky that the, the, uh, squad was a good squad. Um, so there wasn't really any nerves for taking on the role of coaching. Um, obviously it's a responsibility and you have to do right by the players that are there, but I had, a good set of players left that it was easy to do that um but yeah if you're if you're looking to step up into coaching i would say start small maybe if you're at club sessions or whatever ask if you can run a drill or run a session um and then step it up gradually from there maybe take a, a team to a tournament and or shadow a, a, an existing coach if you've got a coach that you respect um, shadow them and uh, learn from them and ask lots of questions. Um, generally, people are coaches um, because they're happy to speak about the sport. Um, so if you've got any questions, approach coaches that you respect and ask them and they'll be more than happy to, to talk you through that. For sure. So you play for your uh, home country on home soil. You played in Italy. You take up the coaching position, as far as you know, Scotland's concerned. Any, uh, what other memorable uh, tournaments have you had with uh, Granite City in the past? Geez, six years. <laughs> it's been a long yeah, time. Long what has time. been one of the more uh, memorable um, opens or events that you guys have gone to that stand out to you, and why? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think the biggest tournaments that we've gone to have been like the British champs. Um, and that's usually a big eye opener. Certainly the early ones are big eye openers for just the quality that is, uh, on show south of the border, um, that we go there and because the, because the scene up here is not that big, um, we've spent quite a few years not really having uh, any like rival that challenges us that we can play against regularly. And then you go south and there's um, teams that are phenomenal and you play against them and, and quite rightly get pumped. Uh, so it's, it's a good eye opener and then it's also a good incentive to improve your game. So playing against uh, teams like Manchester Bees, um, you kind of see that level that you can, that is achievable in the sport and that we drive to get to. And then you come back home and you think, okay, what can we improve to get there? And then you, improve for the year and go back and then test your metal again. Uh, unfortunately, we often, it's because the champs are a bit further away, we often struggle to get um, teams together to go down. Uh, and we would like to go down to more opens and things like that, but it's it's a bit logistically difficult. Um, 
Are they always held in the same place or same like? No, no, they move around, but generally it's England. Um, Anywhere in England. And it's yeah. I mean, like the closest place that they would hold it in England would be like Manchester, but that's still a six-hour drive. Um, and then it's not always as far north as that. Uh, I mean, most of the teams are from down there, so obviously it makes sense. There's no reason to hold it anywhere further else. north than that just to suit us. Um, so that's not a, a dissent against the, the organizers, but uh, it, it just adds a challenge. So um, describe the, the environment in Gran at Granite City and what makes it so special as far as like retaining players and just having that festive environment that you see on social media as well as a competitive uh, vibe on the court. Yeah, I think the thing that makes it special is that we do try and keep uh, an atmosphere that is welcoming. So we're much more interested in people taking up the sport because the only way it's going to grow in Scotland is if we get more people into the sport. Uh, so we try not to be as intimidating as perhaps it once was. <laughs> and we, uh, yeah, we like to try and pass on the knowledge where we can so any new players that come up come along we try and encourage them and give them advice and then hopefully they stay and start to compete and then we get more and more people into the sport so is it just because the scene is so small that there's not that many other teams or is it just because obviously scotland as a nation is smaller than england yeah i think uh my history could be wrong, but in England, my understanding is that they had a lot of uni teams and then from the uni teams, people go and set up club teams beyond uni. Uh, so we don't have that uh, and we have tried to approach universities, but it's difficult to influence that from the outside. Um, we don't have any players that, as far as I'm aware, currently go to university that could set up their own club at a uni but obviously if multiple unis had a team then they would compete against each other and grow the sport that way and then the club scene would get bigger as well uh, but we don't have that just now so we're just kind of trying to encourage as many people to pick up the sport as we can uh, and it is growing to be fair um, yeah. because there's there's now a team in Glasgow, um, shout out to Dow, uh, that's growing and getting better every time. Uh, there's a team in Edinburgh, which had pretty good numbers pre-COVID and I think has suffered a setback because of COVID, uh, but they are building and continuing to compete uh, at the events. So that's always good to see. Um, and we've got the sharks as well now uh kelvin right hey kelvin sharks uh no it's kelvin rapids those are the ones that are in glasgow oh okay um the bucking sharks oh Buck and um sharks. yeah so they train in aberdeen as well uh and they're uh building their team and hopefully coming back stronger for for next season as well so yeah growth which is... would be what october uh it, the league will start in january um because we're a smaller scene uh we start later than uh other british leagues um so yeah we start january and we've got four meets so january february march april uh, that makes sense um so obviously prior to dodgeball did you have any sport uh background growing up uh i was uh, into athletics uh, when I was at school, um, so 100 meter and 200 meter and 400 meter uh, were kind of my races. Um, so yeah, lots of sprint background, which is not massively helpful in <laughs> dodgeball, but the athleticism is. So yeah, there's not. It wasn't. Uh, it would have been good if it was a high jump or something. It would have helped my dodging, but. <laughs> you know, I, can just, I can just run fast for the eight meters that's available to me. Well, I mean, I would imagine 
if you did do the high jump, you would probably be as broken as uh, Grimace. <laughs> as wild a man as he is, jumping and dodging and dropping his body like he's a ragdoll. He's broken. I know it because I used to play the same way. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's currently not broken, so touch wood. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I don't know if you can hear that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love you, Grim. Uh, <laughs> so, for um, anyone at home, obviously... You're very close with uh, Aldred. You're very close with the Kit Collector, who obviously has a lot of kits from all over the world. What is it like being, you know, playing with him? And what is it like just having that close connection with him that maybe other people may not have? In part, maybe because they're intimidated, or maybe because they see him mainly on Instagram with whatever kit he has frequently acquired. Yeah, I don't know if people are intimidated by him anymore. Uh, I mean, maybe on, maybe on court, maybe. Um, but not off court. He certainly is always chatting to someone whenever we're at competitions. Uh, so they obviously approach him. Uh, but yeah, it's he's obviously the reason that I got into dodgeball. So major appreciation there. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Uh, hanging out every week and aiming for each other's faces. <laughs> <laughs> he's and this is for the uh, people obviously listening. He just said that with a smile on his face, like he's not afraid. He's just like, "Bring it, I'm here." Yeah. I mean, he aims for my face more than I am for his. Uh, I tend, I tend to be more of a toe shot kind of person, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you have more accuracy and just hitting the laces? Uh, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a little bit of a dig at that that we'll definitely get into for sure. Um, did you have uh, do you have any role models in dodgeball or people that you respect in the sport? And did you have any role models growing up, whether it was a coach or a player you watched on TV or maybe even a neighbor? Uh, good question. Role models in dodgeball um, certainly when I started would be Aldred, um, just because we were pals. Uh, in terms of growing up, having role models, uh, I definitely did. I had coaches that were very important, um, like the sprint coach, um, who were sort of encouraging, uh, in an, in a sporting realm, uh, which is not something that I had necessarily had before. Um, so yeah, I think coaches are important and I had one in particular that was uh, very encouraging and got me to keep with it and yeah installed in me the, the values of passing on the knowledge that you have to, to help others nice uh, what was her name uh, his name was Eddie Eddie McKenna uh, he's I think currently coaching or he was at some point coaching sprinting for Team GB at the Olympics. Um, oh, wow. Certainly had an involvement in that. Um, so, yeah, he, it's all thanks to me, obviously. He coached me at that young age and <laughs> spurred him on. Yeah, he was like, you know what? I, I propelled someone in uh, to represent Scotland. Let me see what I can do at a bigger level. It's definitely <laughs> a nice little notch on my resume, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... Do you have any rivals in dodgeball that you look forward to facing, whether on a daily basis or at a Euro basis, or obviously Aldred in practice? But <laughs> yeah, Aldred in practice. Um, yeah. There's other other guys at the Gorillas who you hold in uh, sort of high regard and in various elements of their game. Obviously, Graham, you've mentioned. Um, it's it's always delightful when you hit him out because he's super dodgy yeah he is uh so when you catch him out it's it's uh, well, hit him out i should say um it's it's always a good feeling shout out to grim uh <laughs> yeah and then obviously the rest of the the gorillas i don't I, rivals is not um i don't really have any rivals beyond the gorillas um and friendly rivalries at that yeah yeah it's just always like a weekly uh, session as far as like bragging rights go, whether it's you against Aldred or you against Grimm or you against Gary or... 
<laughs> oh, those sessions had to be intense. I definitely would love to have witnessed those one. I'll, I'll definitely be there one day. Mark my words. Uh, well, you welcome. Do you have any pregame ritual before an open or a major tournament? Uh, no, not really. Um, I have a lengthy stretching routine um, because I'm 34. So if I don't do that, something <laughs> will break. Uh, but I don't know that I'd call it a ritual. It's more just a prep. No, that, that that's a ritual. We're, we're the same age. It's a ritual. <laughs> Something will break, and something. And the funny thing is, something will break even if we do it correctly and for the right amount of time. So yeah, <laughs> hitting thirty sucks, people, and we're both in our mid thirties. So, uh, do you have any pregame uh, music you like to listen to on the way there uh, or at the gym? No, not really. Um, oh man, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, no, I, I probably same old same answer as Aldred gave. I think I should have. A set of headphones at some point and then maybe start to listen to some but um <laughs> probably rage against the machine if i had to pick something rage against the machine gorilla radio <laughs> nice pun yeah, but yeah that technically is on my playlist too um so yeah you and i'll do it are very similar in that end so we'll definitely hop into the crowdsource questions and this is from my good friend from uh arizona israel bentley what is the differences you notice in Scottish play, and what is the best Scotch? So I guess he's asking, what's the difference in between the play style Scotland has versus the rest of the UK? Yeah. And I guess he's asking for your preference in the best Scotch. Sure. Uh, differences in Scottish play, um, I think because the scene is smaller, um, we play against the same players so often that there's maybe a bit of like you know more about how people play there's far fewer surprises um because anyone that turns up to a tournament is either new so not necessarily much of a concern or it's someone you've played before so you kind of know how they play and uh whereas if you're down south maybe you play teams less often so you don't necessarily know them as well um the only other difference or i don't know that is different um the comment that we always get from from people who come up and play up here is that we're friendly uh, and i don't think that's unique to scotland um because we've met plenty of friendly people in our travels uh but maybe it's just surprising from a bunch of heavy scotsmen <laughs> well to be fair on, on the surface as a team you guys kind of remind me of this american team that sadly is re retired for the most part called rise of brutality and a couple of the players do have heavy beards and they do look intimidating but once you get past that exterior they're very friendly and very open and and dare i say you know arguably the best people you can meet so maybe on the surface as a team and i've seen your team photos um with highlanders and in and, and granite city on the surface you all look like Intimidating. You guys look like people you don't want to cross in the daytime, let alone a dark alley. But being, and I could say this as someone who was in your team huddles, obviously for two days, you guys are very friendly. You guys crack jokes on each other. You guys are very sarcastic, dare I say even childish, but in a funny way, not in like an immature way. And yes, in a little bit in an immature way. So I would imagine that once people get past that exterior, whether it's with you or Aldred or whoever, that scary persona or that scary visage that people have on you just quickly dissipates into laughter and liquor. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, what's the oh, second yeah, part uh, of that question? Best yeah, scotch, uh, best whiskey. You... Uh, I've recently finished a Glenfiddich 15. That was pretty good. Um, and another go-to of mine would be Ochentoshin. Um, so I bet there there will be nicer whiskeys out there, but in my price bracket, um, <laughs> those those are are good shouts. Uh, for sure. I mean, I, I for my birthday, which is now two months ago. Geez, the summer has gone by fast. Not like this heat wave I'm suffering, but uh, my boss recently gifted me a bottle of uh, McAllen 18. Nice. That's so, also a good choice. 
Definitely a good choice. I definitely had a few shots of that, and uh, I could say it definitely helped my beard growth. Um, thank you, McAllen. <laughs> um, next, on oh, this one's from your neck of the woods, Aldred. This is going to be a new staple question at this point. Pick five other players from your dream male and a dream mixed team, and you can't pick anyone from Scotland, and you can only pick one per nation. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about picking a dream team because individuals don't necessarily make a team. Uh, right. But I'm, happy, I'm happy to shout out players from uh, from other nations. Sure. Um, yeah, any team you would like to coach, whether they're an all-star or not. Yeah. Um, Stefan Leitinger, obviously a huge talent, phenomenal player. Um he, I don't know if you've seen it, but the quarterfinal mixed game against Scotland, uh, if you've not seen it, it's worth a watch. Um, he turns the final set um, with two catches and two hits in the space of about seven seconds, uh, which was obviously absolutely heartbreaking for us at the time, uh, but <laughs> worthy of congratulations. Um think of some other players uh adam hill uh he's had lots of praise recently but uh i would say he deserves every word of it for sure um yeah he had a great tournament uh at the euros and yeah i admire his style of play uh calm control and time management um i try to think of other people that we faced uh reese wiggins from wales wales uh, he was uh, a quality player that we, we had to be wary of going into our game against them. Um, yeah, I don't know who else I would shout out. A lot of the French, a lot of the French were uh, impressive and very young as well, so ones to watch. Any women you'd like to add? Uh, that you may have faced or may have seen? Well, I didn't play mixed at the Euros, so yeah, I don't know. I would call out any individuals. I mean, uh -huh. the, the Austrian ladies, obviously, European champions, uh, phenomenal. But I, there's not one individual there that you have to pick out. They're just a solid. They're just a functioning solid team. unit. Yeah. So if you would have played mixed, it definitely would have answered that question. Um, Aldridge just wanted to stump you. That's all it was. Uh, Favorite shirt swap and why? Uh, another another difficult question. Um, I have quite a few swaps, um, and some mean more than others. Yeah. Uh, from this tournament, I'd probably say the Austria shirt that I swapped. Um, it's the first time that I've set foot on course on court against Austria, um, but I've had held them in high regard uh, since I started playing. Um, so yeah, shout out to Hackle who swapped with me there. Um, I actually, I gave him a bottle of whiskey, uh, to share with the rest of the Austrian team. Uh, but I saw him later that night and, uh, I don't think he'd shared it with anyone. <laughs> okay. So I got, I got to interject here. They did post a picture of like a case like a small, like a box of whiskey as a team photo. And I don't remember if I saw someone wearing a Scotland kit that they recently acquired, but in the team photo, this was at like some after party, which was like, I guess it was outside into some yeah. kind of field. They took a team photo with a box of, I guess it was whiskey or scotch or something. But I guess you, you're, you're assuming that based on his condition later that night, that it was all... <laughs> Yeah, he was he was uh, enjoying the party. <laughs> Rightfully so. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so that that's a benefit. If you swap with Duncan, you can get a bottle of scotch. But share it with I, your team. It doesn't happen every time, but feel Special free to chance your luck. If you're at, if you're at the Euros, come and ask for a shirt swap. You might get a whiskey. For sure. Um, another Alder. Wow, he, I didn't realize how dominant he was. 
shirt swap you or shirt you'd love to swap purely based on the design and another swap you'd like to have based on the player who wears it okay um design uh i quite like the canada shirt um the most recent one yeah their most recent one um yeah those were those are fine i i think those are out of of all the canadian kits i've seen that was those are my favorite yeah i have i have an older one uh an older canada one um but yeah i I would swap for their newer one as well um although i I guess i'm unlikely to face them on court so it's uh a swap might be out of the question um a a jerk a kit that you like to swap based on who wears it uh based on who wears it uh maybe matteo matteo mini from italy um the pillar of the european scene that uh, he is and he's an all-round gentleman so matteo if you're listening i'll see you in croatia <laughs> oh he's listening he listens to every episode <laughs> he's one of my biggest supporters uh you respect him that much yeah yeah he's uh Good player, uh, and as I said, gentleman as well. So that's what we like to see. You, you now it just hit me on the head. You, you kind of remind me of him a little bit. Similar stories, similar stories, similar vibe. Both of you guys went into coaching. It was like right there, hit the nail on the head, Mattel. Okay. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, I mean it is a compliment. I'm not trying to diss you. I mean, I'm not trying to. (laughs) The last thing I want to do is diss you or Mateo. You guys are solid gents. Um, uh, what's the next one? Oh, okay, Aldrich. Favorite game to watch at Euros, and favorite game to play in. Uh, favorite game to watch. Uh, we'd probably have to say the men's final. Uh, that was a nail biter. Yeah, the finals are always good at the Euros because at that point they're down to one court, um, and all the players uh, from the weekend have been or around the court spectating so it's always just a great atmosphere and then obviously that uh that match in particular was so close uh and obviously a great one for the spectators so yeah that'd be my favorite game to watch i think favorite game to play in uh favorite game to play would be the men's quarterfinal against wales um a because we got on quite well with the welsh guys and you always get a good honest game with them uh but mainly that was the game that uh forgive me for being sentimental uh but that was the game where i really felt everyone on the team was given everything for their teammates and for the cause um it was a real team effort uh and it was great to finally have that in a scotland shirt um where everyone is for the cause um and it was it was kind of a signal to me that we're pushing in the right direction as a coaching and management team um and that we've created something valuable to us um the squad that we took to the euros was uh it was a great squad really good at supporting each other on and off court um so yeah huge credit to them uh but yeah that's definitely my favorite game to play in and obviously, yeah, I, I, and that was another a point I wanted to point out because I figured you were going to point that game out in particular. That from what I hear, and I can kind of vouch, I can kind of vouch for this because I know teams from both sides, Granite City and Carmarthen Wizards, which are for the most part the makeup of the national teams, have similar vibes in their respective nations. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me that you would have pointed that game out simply because they mirror you in in many ways, and there's a level of respect. Albeit in rivalry and friendly rivalry between Scotland and Wales, and that end. Yeah. Um, that was. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to point that out, but I want to hear him say it. <laughs> and speak of the devil, Matteo, as a coach, what accomplishments made you proud of your work? Not in the terms of team got first place, but rather improvements of play style or players' mentality. Ooh. Um. Yeah, that's a, a tricky one as well. Uh. It's always rewarding uh, seeing players implement feedback that you've given them. Uh, it's really great in, when it happens in training. 
Um, but it's especially rewarding when it happens in the middle of a match. Uh, like if you pull someone aside and you give them one or two pointers and then they go back on court and you watch your feedback have an impact on the game. Um, I think players really appreciate that type of guidance uh, when it's a, maybe a tough moment in a match. So whether you need to settle them because they're getting riled or whether you just have to say this player keeps targeting you so set yourself for the catch and take it and then they take a couple of catches and all of a sudden their confidence is booming and they're you've really had an impact on the game so watching them implement feedback yeah yeah nice uh kirsten tate what is your biggest challenge as a coach uh, biggest challenge is definitely when you have to make the decision to leave a player out, um, whether that's they've not been selected for the team or if they spend a lot of time on the bench, it's always difficult. Um, obviously in sport, decisions have to be made with a focus on what's best for the team in any given situation. Mm. Um, but I'm always aware that like, particularly in dodgeball, players are always self-funded and um, it can be very disheartening uh, when they don't get the game time that they hope for. Uh, so I'm always, I feel that, but at the same time, decisions have to be made and that's part of coaching. So it's tough, but it's part of it. It's part of a self-funded sport. That's definitely one of the toughest things. Now the thing about this, this question a lot. I'm not a coach or anything, but I would imagine just hearing that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this is going to be a funny thread, but we'll got we'll ask the question first. Kirsten asks, "What do you think the biggest your biggest strength in dodgeball is?" Um, I'm never good at questions like this because I tend <laughs> to be fairly self-critical. Um, but I think maybe time management. Uh, I've always got an eye on the clock. Um whenever I'm playing uh, I'm trying to sort of play the numbers so if you've got not long left and you're up one player then don't go gung-ho and lose players um, so I try and help the team that way by uh, being aware of that and then feeding that information to everyone to try and settle everyone so just understanding the macro of the situation yeah the time and numbers on. So the reason I laughed, and for the people at home who are not a part of the Facebook group, um, Aldred said, "Definitely not your accuracy." <laughs> I replied with, "Wow, friendly fire, whether you're gorilla or insurgent." And Aldred, he has inside jokes with his cat, so obviously <laughs> there had to be a dig in there. Uh, yeah, um, that's. Uh, that stems back to uh, a particular training session or trials or something for the Highlanders oh. um, where I got feedback from the coaches saying that my accuracy wasn't very good um, and a few of my teammates took umbrage uh, because they consider accuracy one of my strengths so they were like they were pretty annoyed that the, the coaching staff had uh either mixed me up with someone else or had not, <laughs> had not seen me play. Okay, I was going to ask, was it a potential case of mistaken identity or was it simply you just had a rough day? Uh, I guess it could be either of those things, but uh, <laughs> certainly my, my teammates were, were annoyed on my behalf. Oh, okay. So you had people in your corner. Yeah. Not Aldred in this case, but you had people in your corner. <laughs> Kevin McDonald. I think we kind of answered this. Actually, no. We only answered the favorite to play against. So, favorite player to play with? Uh, I'm going to give an absolute cop-out answer. Go for uh, it. But it's the players at the Gorillas. Uh, because they're the reason I come back every week. I mean, it's a cop-out answer, but it's very sentimental. And I can tell just by the group of just the small people that I've met that you guys have a, a, a very valuable uh, club that has that like home-like atmosphere, even for someone like me who's in Hollywood, but I feel like I'm a part of you guys. 
So that's not. I mean, it's a cop out answer, but we'll definitely run with it, just because, in in a way, I'm biased. So <sighs> Kevin McDonald taps off or taps on. Yeah, that's easy answer. Taps off. What's what's this mean? Taps off. Uh, it's just whether you have your shirt on or shirt off. Oh, t- taps. Okay, tops. Got it. Yeah. Um, what is this? Is it, are we talking about beer? Or what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> Anthony Obar. Deathan. That's that's uh, yeah, that's Dow. Dow. Yeah, he's given himself a different surname on Facebook. Oh, okay, so he. Okay, okay. Um, were you expecting more questions from not Scottish based players? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm trying to grow the profile of the podcast. I'm trying to interview more Scottish players. So, obviously, I, I think this is a playful joke, but I want to do right by interviewing more Scottish players as well and doing more more international interviews. Obviously, the, it, it, my interviews might have been more English or Irish or Welsh centric, but it's not for lack of effort. So that being said, nice one, Dow. Um, (laughs) But obviously like you got the questions you, you definitely deserve and people definitely reached out in droves to support this. So needless to say, you have a resounding impact with people around you. Thanks. Um, so that leads into my next and final question, which is a legacy question. So, John, how would you like to be remembered once you retire from playing and retire from coaching? Uh, I think when I retire from coaching, um, I would like to be remembered as someone who kept the ship steady um, in that tumultuous period that we had. Uh so I don't think that job is necessarily done yet, um, but uh, we've taken steps to to make sure it, it, it steadied after the mass exodus that we had. Um, and I think we've done an all right job so far uh, and we're continuing to do that. So if I can continue to do that, and then that can be my legacy, hopefully. Um, and as a player, uh, maybe to be remembered as one of the less spicy gorillas. <laughs> oh, no, come on now. You're not bland. <laughs> I mean, look, nothing's wrong with the little spice. That's true. And there's nothing. I, I'm going to say that right now. I mean, there's always got to be that razor's edge that everyone walks by. And based on some of the footage I've seen and based on some of the moments I've seen, I wouldn't say that you guys crossed any kind of lines as far as spiciness goes. Um, I would agree with you. I mean, there's a razor's edge, obviously, and I don't even think you guys toe that line. But relative to, I guess, whoever you know, maybe they would, you know, see it differently. This is just my perspective that many people hear. Um, I think people will obviously appreciate you stepping up in a time when steadiness was key but also course correction is something that you've definitely instilled um i would hope the shakiness ends soon so that you can actually focus at more so at the job at hand not so much the stabilizing part as well because once it's stabilized it's easy to course correct and make decisions and whatever you have to do um but other than that i i, I would say as a player i i hope that people take from your story well for one conquering your fears not to say that you were afraid but you 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 stepped up to aldred and all those other (laughs) gorillas early on and you're here like don't let the intimidation ever get to you to the degree that you may miss out on something that could be a major part of your life i hope that from edinburgh to glasgow to aberdeen and to wherever else is listening that people are inspired by your story in and out of Scotland. And I would say, if anything, you're probably one of the more chill, laid-back Highlanders, but that's not for lack of passion. I mean, your your heartbeat might be like a million miles a minute, but you always have that same kind of stoic Batman demeanor. Like, you're just about the mission at hand, and that's something that's very reson- that resonates so- soundly with me that I think people will, will pick up on. 
Yeah, I mean, I did get the nickname Silent John. <laughs> Silent. Who gave you that nickname? Uh, funnily enough, Kirsten and her friends. <laughs> <laughs> when they first joined the gorillas, uh, which was a few months after me, um, I was known as Silent John because I didn't, I hadn't spoken to them. So, and yet somehow you spent nearly an hour talking to me. What does that say? Well, exactly. It's clearly their problem and not mine. <laughs> oh, hey, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. I would like to have Kristen on later on at a certain time. Don't ruin this for me, bro. Don't do that. Not, this is not endorsed by the Dodgeball Podcast. <laughs> but no, honestly, I think I think people are going to resonate with your story, and they'll they'll feel empowered by it. You know, just don't be. Because if had you turned away, what would have happened with the future of the Scotland program? If they were, if you were so intimidated that you didn't return with GCG, what would their coaching situation be at that point? Oh well, that's impossible to say. I don't yeah, know. exactly. Right? You're. I'm sure you're, someone you're, would have stepped up. Yeah, but I doubt they would have done as good a job as you. Oh well. That's Ultimately, the point is, look at this man's destiny. Look at this man's story. And how it could have easily went one way, and where it is now, and where it will be by the time it's over. <laughs> and, the, and on top of that, you're you. I would consider you the Scottish version of Mateo. So if anything, <laughs> you know that story never happens if you had turned away after that first session. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but I consider it an honor and a privilege. And hopefully I get more gorillas on, more Highlanders on, because I definitely want to have more Scottish representation in the near future. So thank you for saying yes. You're not silent, contrary to popular <laughs> opinion. Well, co- contrary to her opinion. But um, any final shout-outs you'd like to have before we wrap up? Uh, well, I have to shout-out Kirsten. Um, we met at Dodgeball, um, so... Uh, I guess that's a thanks to Aldred as well for if I hadn't come to Dodgeball, I wouldn't have met Kirsten. So, Aww. thank you, Dodgeball. <laughs> thank you, Dodgeball. <laughs> that's a perfect, perfect ending. All right, everyone, and that was my interview with John. John, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story. And I can honestly say, having the privilege, privilege and honor to to meet you, finally cementing your story, is a, a dream come true. And I hope to do more interviews from players from. Granite City and Scotland in the near future and get you guys more on the map. Uh, Stay tuned um, as I announce my next guest very shortly. If you listened up to this point, thanks so much and have a wonderful day.